This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. This is the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm Jonathan Agnew. Welcome to the Test Match Special Podcast. Another frustrating day here in Southampton, but at least we've had some action. We'll hear from Michael Vaughan and from the England batting consultant Jonathan Trott. And we'll pay tribute to MS Doney, who announced his international retirement yesterday. You're listening to the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. We've had, what, five overs of uh, England's innings. That was after they managed to wrap up Pakistan's innings. They added 13 runs this morning, all out for 236. The last one out was Mohamed Rizwan for a very good 72. Stuart Broad had him. He was looking to turn the ball away into uh, the leg side and got a thick leading edge. It was taken by Crawley in the covers. So that was the end of uh, Rizwan. There was an amusing one not out from Nassim Shah. I think he's still wondering how he got it. But he did. He was one not out. He managed to hang on in there. And uh, so 2.36 all out. In go England in poor light. We've talked a lot about the light and whether what's poor or not. To go out and face the new ball as they did, it was pretty grim out there. The ball was going all over the place. Burns edged his second delivery from Shaheen. It didn't quite carry to slip. The fourth did, though. It was a beautiful ball. You can, I suspect, look at footwork or whatever. But it, it, in those conditions, the ball swinging away. Burns pushed at it. Nice catch taken by Shafiq at second slip. So Burns out for a duck. That was naught for one to the fourth ball of the innings. Sibley got a horrible blow high up. Well, almost in the stomach, really. The ball turned him round, it bounced, lifted, rearing round all over the place. He and, he and Crawley were hopping about all over the place before finally the rain came down and spared them any more. So that was seven for one after the five overs that were bowled. In all in the game, after four days, we've had 96 overs play. And I, I can't remember scanning my limited memory. Uh, a, a, a point after four days in which we've had such little cricket... Unless, I suppose, we go back to Centurion and the, and the mm. match that we don't really talk about anymore. But I suspect that was similar. Uh, Michael Vaughan, in fact, that'd be a little, little job for Andy Zaltzman down there to perhaps to keep him busy. He's had a quiet <laughs> couple of days. He's, he's just got grumpy down there. Um, <laughs> well, what do we say? Well, I, I think that, that we must admit now that the power of the media, it, it doesn't work because... Most uh, of our media college in the far, I think it's a shame, warned stand uh, have been tweeting all sorts about the ground staff and the lack of urgency. We have. We've been talking about it for four days. Uh, today, I reckon they've been at their best mm. in terms of lack of urgency. <laughs> there's been nothing. Maybe there's a, a ground staff here that don't love the game because you're absolutely right. For pretty much a couple of hours, the rain has fell, but it's been so soft that there was a period where you just felt, get the super sopper out, get it on the covers, get the water off as much as you possibly can, just to give us a, a glimmer mm. of hope of potentially two, two and a half hours of play. Uh, that's not been the case. And the umpires, again, a little bit of a bugbear of mine. It was hardly raining, but they walk across with umbrellas. It's just such a negative look. They walk off and they speak to the ground staff. Uh, and then we get the message that uh, play has been abandoned for the day. It's clearly quite wet out there. There's uh, the tractor going around with the, the machine that uh, drills holes into the outfield mm. to try and make it uh, breathe Air a little bit. thing, yes. That's the one. So clearly there's a, a, a little bit of dampness out there. But, uh, yeah, frustration. Um, that spell of batting that we saw for, for, for the England uh, top three, it was as hard as you can possibly <laughs> get. The ball was going all over the place. Rory Burns uh, gets a good one. Uh, there's a little bit with uh, Rory Burns' foot movement. I just think that right foot that keeps going over to outside off somebody has to kind of drag it back. So when the ball is around off stump, middle stump, which 
the delivery was and it's just moving away. He has to bring his right foot back, so it's almost like his back comes across the line of the straight ball. Uh, and as soon as you get a little bit of movement when you're playing in that fashion, uh, there's a chance that you're going to be uh, finding the outside edge on a regular basis. Well, so so that, the, the foot where he's putting his foot is preventing the back coming so through so straight. It, so he has a trigger that uh, he goes bum bum, and then the right foot, you just watch, it goes outside off some, and then he has to bring it back for when it's straight. Um, that's an area that, you know, you look at his LBWs over the last few weeks, it's been very similar that he goes across and cross, goes upside off something, Shannon Gabriel. Uh, yeah. had him here played nicely for his 30-odd and all of a sudden Gabriel went around the wicket went wide, wide, wide he kind of went wider and wider with that right foot and then he threw one in straight and he had to drag it back and his back came across the line mm. today was a good ball it's not a great deal but it's just that little technical fault that I'm looking at and thinking if there's any movement or you're just out of sync as a batsman uh, you're going to be in tr- uh, pr- yeah. tr- trouble time so um, Zach Crawley looked good You know, yeah. I thought he came out I mean we're talking about a player on five not out, but he, look, he looked okay. The ball Terrible was time to come out. Awful with uh, Mohamed Abbas. I mean, yeah. Mohamed Abbas bowls some deliveries. He, 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 he has it on a, a piece of string, yeah. and it's like hitting a rope, and one nips back and one nips away. It's, but the uh, one that he hit um, Sibley with, I think it was the first ball he bowled at him, actually. It, 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 it squared him up. But bowled at about 77 miles an mm. hour. The thing reared. Yeah. It's, a, it's incredible how he... It, it, it must be the wrist, how he, he generates that nip yeah. at, at, that, at that sluggish pace. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that ball, we had it on Hawkeye. That ball was um, bowled just a little bit wide of the crease. And it, it was angling to go over leg stump, possibly missing leg stump. And you imagine that angle, and then it's just turned Dom Sibley around, and it seemed it's hit him on his back hip oh, bone. Yeah. So that's the amount of seam that uh, Mohamed Abbas uh, w- was producing. Um, I-, I was really excited about seeing England bat because yes. it wasn't going to be easy uh, on a pitch like we saw with that with that attack. Uh, you-, you could quite easily have been 30 or 40 for, for-, for five or six with the, the amount of movement that uh, Pakistan were getting. But I'm sure we'll see some cricket tomorrow. Uh, certainly there's not going to be a result in this test match. I don't mm. think there'll be any chance that the captains will get together and create a match. Um, that'll be for... Uh, Friday's uh, third test match but uh, whatever we see tomorrow you know as a, as a batsman and ex-player uh, it's not going to be easy no but it is fascinating isn't it you're yeah. right I was sitting absolutely glued to that passage of play um, you know an old bowler you, you, you want to see these at the very top and they are Abbas is at the top Shaheen's learning but my word he's, he's going to be good um, and of course we didn't, we didn't see the 17 year old unfortunately but we, we will tomorrow hopefully if, if the weather's good but it's, it's contests like that that make Test cricket what it is. It, mm. isn't, it isn't supposed to be easy. And that was right on the fringe of <laughs> almost impossible with the conditions, with the light and everything else. But to see, to see the bowlers exploiting those conditions, mm. I, I, thought, I thought it was well, sometimes, uh, box office. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes in county cricket, you, know, you get conditions that are so tough and you get bowlers you know, not quite at the standard of Mohamed Abbas, but he's played for Leicestershire and yep. he had a, a field day playing in the county game. But, you know, David Masters at... Uh, Essex for so many years. Darren Stevens just, Stevens just got his 800s <laughs> first last yeah. week. But, you know, they're the kind of bowlers when they get conditions of the hardest to face because they give you no pace. Mm. And, you know, what you want really, is, as an opening batsman in particular, you want a little bit of pace that if you play a shot and he just finds the outside, it flies down to third man for four. Mm. Or you just kind of lean on one, it flies for extra cover for four. Against 78 miles an hour, you have to put all the effort in. Yeah. You, know, you have to make the players a batsman. So that's why they're so difficult, accuracy, skillful. Um, 
Looking forward to seeing him bowl tomorrow. And also, I mean, over the course of the next few days, I think the weather's going to be quite similar. So you look towards the next Test match, which starts on Friday. I think we'll be in for another week where the ball will be zipping around. So it's a week where the batsmen will know that they're technically going to have to be strong and their minds are going to have to be very calm. And just a thought, I mean, there is a chance for Pakistan to strike some blows tomorrow yep. ahead of that game. I mean, it's not as though, yes... It's a dead day, we suspect, as far as the game is concerned. But there's, there's a lot to be done. And in, an Englishman, Joe Root gets some runs. or Zach Crawley gets some runs. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the quick bowlers get some wickets. There's, there's, still, there's still plenty in it. I, I, there's never any dead days in Test Match cricket. There's yeah. always something to play for. Zach Crawley at three looked nice. You know, can he get a score? Joe Root back at number four, his favourite spot. Can he get a score? Uh, can Pakistan bowling them out cheaply? If they do so... You know, England will be arriving on Friday with a few players with uh, a little bit of negativity. The TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. Well, thank you, Michael. Andy Zaltzman, a bit bare of stats, I think, after just 96 overs. What have you found? Well, I mean, a stat on shortest test matches in England in terms of balls bowled. It won't set a record. That was 17.2 overs in the Trent Bridge Ashes test of 1926. That was a four-day game. But it's uh, if there's no play tomorrow, it'll be in the top five most pointless games in the history of uh, Test cricket in England in terms of fewest balls bowled. One stat that did come out of today's play, Rory Burns's duck was the fourth by an England opener this summer, which ties the uh, record for most England openers' ducks in a home summer with the uh, disastrous year of 1989 when uh, England got um, destroyed by Australia and there were four openers' ducks then as well. A suitably melancholy stat, I think, uh, for the occasion. Thank you, Andy, very much indeed. Well, among those here with the squad this week is the former England batsman, Jonathan Trott, who's working here as a batting consultant for these games. And Trott has been speaking with Simon Mann. Well, it's lovely to see you in uh, England colours. Would you have fancied batting out there in this test match? It's not been easy for the batsman, has it? No, the previous one, maybe. I think a little bit tricky. And uh, the, the conditions today were certainly... Uh, more conducive, you'd say, to, to bowling. Uh, but I think the guys did well, and there were some good deliveries flying around there, and Pakistan st- started really well and um, gave us an insight of how tough it's going to be tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. What about someone like Rory Burns? I mean, you're the, you're the batting consultant here. You play you know, here for four days, and then you're out for naught. How do you, do you, do you speak to him, or do you, do you let him just uh, think it through himself? What, 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 what? How do you get involved in a situation like that? Well, I think it's important that um, you know he feels comfortable in that. I've, I haven't really coached much with Rory Burns, and it's about building that relationship and trust, which is the most important thing. There's other coaches here that uh, have been around for, for years, but I'd love to chat. I love chatting to him about uh, batting, and I think quite similar in that way. He thinks a lot about his game. I mean, I'd be just bitterly disappointed, but uh, you know, looking forward to to the next time he gets out there and straps on the pads and, and uh, bats for a long time for England. Yeah. What, what, what do you say to batsmen about batting in these conditions? Uh, you just got to play as late as possible uh, and try and get as into the ball and not really worry about whether it's going to seem. If it's going to seem, you know, that's going to happen. I think you've got to be in good, strong positions, uh, defence and attack when you want to score. Um, and leave well. That's a, that's a crucial thing. Yeah. Um, what about the the fact you know you, you're not playing very much? How difficult is it for players when they you, know, you build yourself up for a mm. test match and then you you hardly play? Yeah, certainly, especially of the excitement and the, uh, the the way the last game went. The guys are chomping at the bit to get out here. We had two good days of practice, um, and it's really disappointing. I know that so much effort's gone into this games from 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 the team up to all the administration at the top of the ECB and the. And the and the media. So we're bitterly disappointed not to be able to play and play in front of the nation. But 
Um, the guys are working extremely hard. They've been in the nets today, they've been in the indoors, uh, and, and ready for tomorrow. What about your role? Tell, tell us a bit about your role. Batty consultant, what, what does that mean? I'm trying to figure it up as I go. <laughs> Try nothing just to come in and help out, and, and because obviously Graham Thorpe's uh, not with us, he's taking these two test matches off, uh, and then going to be in, uh, with with the one days, I think. So I think it's just to come in and, and help out, and, and and get in amongst the guys, roll my sleeves up, work really hard, and and try and um, you know help guys as much as possible. Yeah. Well, what's your sort of unique selling point as a as a a batting coach do you think I think just keep it really simple I think sometimes as cricketers we, we sometimes complicate the game and uh, sometimes breaking it down keeping it simple and, and, and making sure that you've got the right sort of processes in place to, to go out there and uh, perform when under pressure and, and what about as a, as a career opportunity how big a, an opportunity is this for you massive whenever you get the opportunity to come into the England dressing room it's, it's always an opportunity to come in and, and add to it if you can and, and make sure you, uh, you, know, you leave it in a better place than you found it how, how different does it feel coming in as a sort of outsider rather than as a player when you were part of the dressing room? Well, I was, I've been in and around. I've done a few days coaching uh, last year. But that's the amazing thing about the dressing room. You, you feel welcome all the time. And, uh, I mean, I'm really thankful for the guys for that. It's been, it's been pretty easy coming in and sliding in and, and uh, finding a place in the change room. Oh, don't forget, I've played with quite a lot of the guys as well. So uh, I, I have that on my side. And, and they feel pretty comfortable, I, I hope, uh, around me. And what about the future? Do you, do you want to do more of this? What, what does the future hold for you? Well, yeah, I'm pretty ambitious with my coaching. I really enjoy it. Uh, I've, I've done quite a bit of it in the short space of time that uh, I haven't uh, been playing cricket or retired from professional cricket. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And uh, being a batting coach, you end up throwing a lot of balls and working with the players, which is something I like doing. Yeah, people don't realise that, actually. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of just hard, nitty-gritty behind yeah. the scenes, throwing balls and... Yeah. and What's that like? Explain, explain you know, what you actually do. I feel like I'm in an interview here. So, uh, like a <laughs> well, you are, you are in, in an interview. Like a job interview, I should say. <laughs> um, well, I, uh, generally in the morning, a lot of guys, some guys like to hit on the side of the field, some guys like to hit in the nets. I'll generally go to the nets and, and use the, uh, the claws that we have to throw the ball. Uh, that simulates a pace that probably test bowlers would bowl at. And then just be around and chat with the guys and then also pick up during play, um, especially being a, the sort of batting coach that's coming from the outside you generally do the, uh, the, the the dog's body work and go and throw as many balls as, as bad as one in the net this is the tms podcast from bbc radio five live so another frustrating day here but it did give us a chance to reflect more on the international career of the indian legend ms Dhoni. simon mann led the discussion on the world cup winning captain you can pick out all sorts of facts from MS Dhoni's career. I mean, one that strikes me as being amazing, really, is he played 538 times for India. 538 times for your country. I mean, we were talking about Alistair Cook uh, not so long ago. You know, what was your greatest achievement? Well, it was staying on the field for 150-odd consecutive test matches. So he had that amazing durability, MS Dhoni, and of course he had tremendous success. Well, he might have success if he picked that many times to play for India. He was appointed India captain in 2007. He led them in 199 one-day internationals and 72 T20s, the only player to captain in more than 50 matches in each of the three formats. Made his debut for India back in, in 2004. That was his one day debut, his test debut the following year and his T20 debut in 2006 excellent batting average in one day cricket as well, he averaged 50 in one day cricket, 50 over the course of 350 uh, one day 
internationals. And he had one, I mean, of all the memories, he had one that stood out, if you like, above all others, and that happened in Mumbai in 2011. 2.71 for four. India need four. Kulasekra bowls, he smashed it. Smashed it high down the ground for six. Into the seething crowd it goes to complete one of the great run chases in one day international cricket, let alone a World Cup. And Dhoni, well, they're all running out. There are fireworks going off. His teammates have come rushing out and they're leaping all over him. What a way to finish it. You can only admire this extraordinary man, the temperament that he's shown here today, the character and the courage that he has. He was having none of it, and he simply launched poor old Kalasekra into the crowd for six to complete this victory with nine balls and six wickets to spare. I have to say, as far as drama is concerned and a finishing touch, you couldn't beat that as India win the World Cup for the second time. Sonny, it's all yours. What a moment, what a moment and what a way to finish the game. The Indian captain finishing it with a huge six, a big six. That is what Indian cricket is all about uh, now. India, Indian cricket is a very, very aggressive uh, beast now. No longer is it diffident, very, very confident of itself. And that shows in the manner in which they have uh, finished the game. The Indian captain, Mahindra Singh Dhoni, hitting that huge six. Well, we'll go live to India in a moment to find out how MS Dhoni's retirement is going down. But first, here are the thoughts of a fellow wicketkeeper and finisher, Joss Butler, who played against Dhoni for England and in the IPL. Ebony Rainford-Brent asked Butler how big an impact he thought MS Dhoni has had. Yeah, massive. Um, you know, untold contribution, really, isn't it? Um, and I think, you know, speaking personally, an, an idol of mine growing up, um, and you know, I love the way he went about it. He's probably India's most successful white ball captain. You know, and I think the guys brought up his numbers yesterday. They're quite incredible, aren't they? So, um, you know, a hero to so many. It's an honour to get to play against him, and you see the adulation that, that he has from Indian fans and other fans around the world. Um, you know, quite titanic um, man of, of cricket. Yeah, some likenesses to you in some ways, a finisher of the game. How do you rate him in the sort of list of finishers you've seen during your career? Yeah, the best. Um, you know, I think the way he goes about it, um, the way he puts bowlers under pressure and takes the game deep. Um, you know, there's some unbelievable stats about the amount of games India win when he finishes not out at the end. So, um, you know, he's been a, a great role model for so many, and I love the persona he's carried throughout his career as well. You, you think about the weight of expectation that he walks out to bat with every time he, he goes to the middle. Um, the calmness he um, exudes in the middle is quite amazing. Uh, one thing that he has done very well is captain and keep at the same time. How hard do you think that would have been as part of his career? Yeah, tough, but as I say, he just seems to manage chaos, doesn't he? He just seems to manage everything that was thrown at him. Um, he's obviously got a fantastic cricket brain and um, you know, playing against India um, a few times since he... Kohli has been captain of the one-day side. You know, Dhoni still has a, obviously a big influence. of master tactician behind the stumps. Um, and, yeah, as I say, there's, there's probably no praise high enough for it. Well, that's Joss Butler. With us now is our India commentator, Prakash Wakanka. Isha is here as well. He's watched him a number of times in the IPL. And Mark Ramprakash, uh, former England batting coach, I'm sure, would have admired the way uh, Dhoni went about his work. Let's start with uh, Prakash. How did it go down, this retirement? And was it, was it expected, Prakash? <laughs> well, uh, Simon, uh, good day to all of you there. Uh, yes, I suppose you could argue that it was expected, but I don't think 
it was expected to happen the way it happened or when it happened. Uh, just as the country was sort of uh, going into the evening of uh, Independence Day celebrations, came this bolt out of the blue. And I think it was about seven minutes post his uh, Instagram <laughs> message that it went into just hundreds and thousands of people uh, across all media. I mean, phone calls, people calling each other, just consoling each other. You thought something, some, some sort of tragedy had happened. Uh, but yes, that's the kind of following he's had. We all know that. And I think the country uh, is, is still grappling and letting it sink in. The mixed emotions are very evident. Yeah, I mean, but he's, he's 39. He's not played yes. since the World Cup semi-final last year when England, uh, when India lost to New Zealand. Uh, I mean, he, people must have sensed he was coming towards the end. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think the only question, Simon, was would the T20 World Cup happen on schedule, which we know now is not happening. And I think there was that sort of uh, speculation about whether he would uh, offer himself and whether he would be picked. And Saurav Ganguly was making sort of the right kind of noises. So was Ravi Shastri. The standard line about let, let a person of his caliber determine when he wants to go kind of thing. So there might even have been a, a tiny nudge or two. Uh, one doesn't know. Mm. But certainly it wasn't unexpected. But trust him is to do it in that very unique style of his mm. uh, and, and with a bit of poetry at the end of it too. Yeah, so it would have been a difficult one if he wanted to play on, but they didn't necessarily want him to play on. Is that is that sort of the feeling you get? I, I don't know. Just from the from the outside, one does get that feeling, isn't it? I mean, how long will you will you carry on? Would have been one of the questions, and we seem to ask the question a lot in India. We all remember the the big debate of Hatendulkar going on for months, if not mm. longer. Uh, so I suppose there was that question somewhere in people's minds, but from a popular fan base perspective you would only ask that question at your own peril. Mm. He's going to play on in the IPL, though. Yes, he is. In fact, uh, he made that announcement after the first practice session uh, in the UAE. And, of course, as we know, uh, Suresh Raina followed straight after. So uh, it, it almost looked like CSK had planned this out. And there's a lot of speculation, Simon. I don't know if you guys there have any ideas of the timing. Seven, 19, 29 hours. Uh, no idea as to what that is, uh, but one of the theories going around is that it might have to do something with an auspicious time uh, because the, you know, South of India, as you know, Simon, is, is very, very sort of obsessed almost with this whole idea of what is a good and a bad time. And somebody came up with this last evening, I don't know, there's no confirmation, that the exact time he was run out against New Zealand in that semi-final in India was 1929. I have no idea, to, no way to confirm that. <laughs> I'm just telling you the kind of stories that are going around as a result of the news last evening. Can you shed some light on this, Isha? <laughs> I can't, actually. And hello to Prakash as well, who's over in Hi, India. Isha. I hope you're doing well. Um, it's just classic Dhoni, I think, just to leave us with all this speculation. And uh, Gaurav Kaura, who is an Indian journalist, uh, wrote on Twitter yesterday, very few interactions with MS Dhoni over the years. And I'm only venturing a guess here, but he is likely having a quiet chuckle to himself that discomfort of sports journalists scrambling to handle this on a Saturday evening. I mean, I actually, I actually agree with that. I mean, when, you, when you've watched MS Dhoni across his career, he is the epitome of India in a way, a, a land of contrasts. Uh, you think about him and how private he could be, but also very open. Um, you know, he didn't give much away in the media. Um, 
you almost felt like you, you didn't get to know the real Emma Stoney, but mm. in his home life, you know, he was very private with that. And uh, certainly with his teammates, I know that he was very open. So, you know, as captain, he would uh, have his door wide open so people could come in and out as they pleased. Um, you know, someone who was anti-establishment, but then could also toe the party line. Someone who was super cool out in the middle, but could be explosive when he wanted to be. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think that was his perfect way of, of sending the message that he was going to retire. Mm. What about his? Take us back to his, you know, his background. He, was, he came from Ranchi, which is a you know a backwater really of of Indian cricket, and and now of course there's a magnificent stadium there which we you know we've been to and England have, have played there uh, what, is, is it a, a, a sort of um, going from humble uh, origins to uh, incredible fame is that, is that the story we look at here with, with MS Stoney? Yeah so you know a lot of people will, will say that because I think whether it's uh, Ranchi uh, as, as a place or or whatever, I think it is the fact that he started this this sort of movement inadvertently, I think, where people from small towns suddenly started believing that they could make it on the big stage. Up until then, or, uh, you know, for several years, decades of Indian cricket, which you've, all of you have followed, it was a preserve of the four or five big metro cities. I mean, there were days when if, if there was one player less than seven in the Indian team from Mumbai, people would ask questions. And yet you saw what happened with that period. Though I must think, I must credit Saurav Ganguly and Kiran More, who was chairman of Selectors then, I think for widening the net, if you will. BCCI's talent, talent program also unearthed a lot of people. Yuvraj, Harbhajan, Dhoni, you know, all these guys came through uh, that, that sort of process. But yes, for a small town boy, and like Isha rightly said, uh, in, in many ways a very private person, uh, remember his his uh, retirement from Test match cricket in the middle of the Australia series again caught all the journalists completely by surprise at a post match conference. Uh, I think that's that's who he is. He is somebody who has lived his uh, life on his own terms, has had a share of ups and downs uh, like everybody else does. But I think that belief that he instilled in the nation as a whole that it didn't matter where your roots were or where you came from, it is what you did in your chosen endeavour that would determine your place. What about him as a cricketer as well? I mean, I remember the, f- the first time I saw him, he was playing those outrageous strokes, the helicopter shot, and he was an extremely attacking player. He was an outrageous batsman, actually. He, I, I remember that test match in Mumbai where he, uh, India were trying to, well, notionally trying to save it on the last day, and he was smashing the ball down the ground, and Panasar dropped him, and then he gave another chance to Panasar off Sean Udall, and Panasar caught it this time and I remember going to watch him play in the one day series afterwards and he played that amazing helicopter shot in Goa uh, that be- sort of became his trademark but then he, he, he sort of changed his way of playing he, he went from being outrageous to sort of this deadly cool <laughs> finisher yeah absolutely I, I mean you just look back to his uh, debut back in 2004 which he, he worked incredibly hard for it didn't come for him straight away uh, and I think that was much to his frustration um, eventually got the opportunity um, against Bangladesh. He was run out for naught, and then, you know, four games later, uh, he's scoring 148 against Pakistan at Vizag, um, which became uh, a place very close to his heart. Um, and that's where we saw the real MS Dhoni. And he was always aggressive, you know, growing up, um, playing um, locally, 
to domestically. He was always that kind of wanted to make things happen, looked relatively unorthodox when he was out in the middle, but really just fed off the fact that he could change a game situation. And, yeah, as he evolved as a cricketer, he became, you know, arguably the best finisher in the world game and and you know many emulate his his run chase mindset the theory that the deeper you take it there is a tipping point whereby there is more pressure on the bowlers and that's when he pounces and that was very much his method um certainly towards the end of his career um someone you know astonishing astonishing ability the helicopter shot that you mentioned that everyone now tries to tries to copy um you know from from kids up until adults uh, they all want to play that shot. And, you know, that came from playing a lot of badminton. He loves his badminton. He still plays it now. He play, played it to keep fit. Um, but, as I say, just someone who really just tried to uh, kind of to make himself better as a cricketer. It wasn't just the cricketing skills um, on the pitch. It was also his fitness. Um, you know, trained with the army so that he could maintain those levels of fitness and sustain being able to play you know back-to-back games in, in limited overs cricket but also uh, in test matches and um, you know he served his country incredibly well yeah because it takes an enormous amount out of you as well to be wicketkeeper captain and batsman but just on that point about you know changing his game because he was an outrageous striker of the ball when he first started you thought could this could he actually survive in in international cricket playing this way because he would he would just go for it and you know it would leave you vulnerable of course it does and then he, he did change. how difficult is it to make that change do you think as a as a batsman well afternoon everyone apart from prakash in, in india afternoon um look i think uh, ms Dhoni, um like a lot of players, they come onto the scene and often they play in a very natural, aggressive way. Uh, and then they realize, well, I've got to make a, a habit of this. I've got to be perhaps search for a little more consistency. And sometimes they, they, they can adapt. Uh, and, and that I guess the best players do adapt, actually, to become more consistent. Uh, I mean, I thought he brought many things to the Indian side. Clearly, as a batsman, he brought power actually, and in the, particularly in the one-day format where power has been increasingly sought after, uh, particularly in the middle uh, of your batting lineup um, and towards the death overs. So I think that was an important thing, and he came along just at the right time for India with uh, T20 becoming more prevalent. Um, I mean, as a, as a, he was also quite good off the back foot, uh, which is not necessarily something that a lot of the Indian players um, gravitate towards naturally. Uh, and yet he could play the short ball very well. Um, so, so that was an important thing. I mean, his, his wicket-keeping was perhaps rough and ready at times, mm. but don't, if you give him a sniff of a stumping, he generally took it. He w- had magnificent hands and was so quick um, when an opportunity arose uh, to take a wicket as a, as a, to, in a, as a stumping uh, through, through his wicket-keeping. So I think as, as a player, he, he, he brought um, steel, to an Indian team you know there was a lot of exciting talents around him but um, uh, although the the crowd and the one day cricket had an exuberance and an excitement and vibrancy about it Dhoni remained incredibly calm and he was at the centre of the storm and I think all Indian supporters watching their team if Dhoni was there they remained fairly calm 
Looking at Donny's stumping statistics, um, he's taken more stumpings than any other wicketkeeper in international cricket. 195, 38 in Tests. That's the third most of uh, joint third most of all time, uh, behind um, well, two players from the long distant past, Bert Oldfield and Godfrey Evans, and level with uh, another Indian side, Kirmani. 123 in one day international cricket, uh, which is uh, uh, the most ever, and 20 uh, and 34 in T20 international cricket, also uh, also the most uh, the most ever in terms of. Uh, captaining as a wicketkeeper 332 games he captained India in as keeper um, um, no other player has captained in more than 100 uh, matches as uh, keeper, that was uh, Safraz Ahmed had exactly 100 in, uh, Dhoni 60 tests the next most is 28, 201 internationals, the next most is 50 and 72 T20 internationals as keeper captain, the next most is 37 so he is uh, yeah, a truly extraordinary figure in terms of the, the role he played in, uh, in uh, the Indian team and that level of fitness as well yeah, quickest hands in the east. That's what people used to call it. But uh, yeah, the fitness, and you know, you just look at the outpouring of of love for him since uh, he made his retirement, and Virat Kohli very much at the helm of that. Um, really, just kind of respected him from when he first got into the Indian team to all the support that he received when he became captain. Um, you know, he, he does put MS Dhoni up on a pedestal and there's a reason for that because he, he changed the game for India. You know, running in parallel with India becoming this massive powerhouse as well. Um, the 2007 T20 World Cup win where, you know, India probably didn't take T20 cricket that seriously. Um, but this is what uh, Virat Kohli said. Every cricketer has to end his journey one day, but still when someone you've gotten to know so closely announces that decision... Uh, and I can't actually read the rest of that because it's blocked. Um, but the yeah, so here we go. But the mutual respect and what I've received from you will always stay in mind. The world has seen achievements. I've seen the person. Thanks for everything, Skip. I tip my hat to you. And you mentioned the fitness. These two running between the the wickets, even towards the end. There, I mean, you look back to the the One Day World Cup and even before that. Uh, just that that was part of their game, batting out and the middle together and running field as ragged. I, I remember watching a, a match in Australia where David Warner was a, a long on and even he couldn't stop them from scoring a two. And he's one of the quickest to the ball. Uh, so I think, yeah, that just kind of encapsulates who he was as a person, as a cricketer, that he wanted to keep improving. How does it compare his retirement, uh, Prakash, to Sachin Tendulkar's retirement? <laughs> I'm sure, I was sure that was going to come, Simon. Uh, I, I think two very different uh, people in many ways. I mean, look, there was, I think, a, a very large part of India also, which reluctantly had been uh, had been preparing for Sachin's retirement. He went out with this big planned series. Some often say a series that was set up only for him. Uh, and therefore, there was the anticipation had time to find sort of manifestation, if you will, in, in many different ways. In Dhoni's case... Uh, as we've talked just a moment ago, it was all very sudden, just the way he announced his, his marriage to Sakshi or just the way he announced his retirement uh, from Test Match Cricket. That was Dhoni. And so I don't think you can compare the two in terms of the, the method of retirement or the build-up to it, because in Dhoni's case, there was none. Uh, I do believe that in the newer India, in today's India, the resonance that Dhoni has goes beyond cricket. Uh, and I'd, I'd actually like to say, I, I wrote this in a, in, a, in a short piece somewhere a little while ago, uh, that 
you know, the the MS Dhoni, the cricketer, isn't really the story. That's a story that has limited shelf life, and that retired last night. To me, Dhoni is the mindset, and that is a universal, timeless mindset, which I don't think can ever retire because it's done that to inspire a nation, a nation of youngsters, a nation of people across both genders, mind you. You look at the the women's team today, and Isha would probably know more about it. But you look at the girls who are playing cricket for India or aspiring to; they've seen him as a hero. And and where he began, I think there is a lot to do with it. This helicopter shot that uh, Isha was talking about just a little while ago, he actually picked it up playing tennis ball cricket, and he picked it from a, a mate of his called Santosh Lal in Ranchi on those dirt grounds with with no pitches or anything of that sort. And and so that's that's who he was. He's always been a mate. He's I think as a human being, he's phenomenal. I remember that one comment after the the 2010 T20 World Cup, India lost. I think to Australia it was in in the West Indies. And uh, uh, I was chatting with him after the post match, and he said, "So I said, Mahesh, so what are you going to do now?" And this was a was his comment. He said, "I'm going back home to play with my dogs because they are the only ones who treat me exactly the same, whether I come back having lost mm. or." Coming back with the silverware, I think that that just tells you what kind of person he is, and and his 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 impact I think is going to be a a much bigger one on India. That's really fascinating, Prakash, and I find it even more fascinating because of what happens to you as a cricketer. I can imagine when you're playing in India to go from humble beginnings to suddenly this big star, and we've seen it so many times uh, in India uh-huh. where. You know, it it almost takes hold in a way, and he's very much wanted to to stay as humble as possible, even as the captain of the, of the side. I know that you know he he's offered business class on a number of occasions, uh, flying uh, between states in India, and and he will often give it up to you know a teammate, um, and he wants to sit at the back with everyone else. Uh, so yeah, that, well, that last... is an insight into his character. It is the last seat in the team bus. I think Virat mentioned that again in some some interview yesterday. Uh, always in the last seat of the bus. Uh, always, even when he was captain, he would do the honours of receiving the the trophy or whatever, and then immediately uh, hand it over to a colleague. You wouldn't typically see Dhoni in team pictures in one corner of the of the group photograph. And you know, I, one could go on and narrate so many stories. I know recently, about uh, four or five months ago. Uh, a tractor was delivered to his uh, to his farmhouse because he'd ordered one, and the five people who went to deliver it, Isha, this man made them stay back, had lunch prepared, and sat and had lunch with them. That's just who he is. It comes naturally to him. I think he doesn't have to. Uh, he doesn't play to the galleries, and I think that allows him to be who he is. And therefore, I think those of us who see him are able to see what he really is. Both on and off the field. So you're saying, uh, Prakash, that he ha- he's had more influence on India and Indian cricket than Sachin. I'm saying on the youth of India. Uh, I think on the cricket, uh, it will be it will be foolhardy for me to say that you know anyone will come close to Sachin, but he will run him pretty close. And remember, I mean, Sachin was was 10 years ago or more. And I think you know, howsoever great you are, memory fades. And I think therefore mm. in this India today, this whole situation with the pandemic, uh, you know, everybody locked in at home, thinking back, looking at old things. A generation, my nephew uh, actually just messaged me 
uh, last night and he he wrote a little piece where again i'm not going to bother to read it out but his message was for us as a generation that grew up on dhoni it marks the end of our childhood we realize today that after 15 16 years of seeing him uh, it's time for us to grow up and and carry on that's the kind of emotion coming out from from just common common kids who are now sort of into their into their late 20s or early 30s it's it's remarkable the kind of impact he's had it is extraordinary though prakash that a man for who you know it is so humble but then and so private as well that he decided to release his film the untold story while he was still playing for <coughs> india i mean i can't even imagine how vulnerable he would have felt with with that going out to the world and and everyone suddenly knowing everything about his life and you know personal tragedy as well within that yes yes that's 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 a very good question isha and i think again uh producing the film i suppose the film would have been made by the producer anyway uh either as an official or an unofficial biopic and and knowing ms uh, he is the kind of guy who as you've said yourself has chosen to be open but on his terms mm. uh how and and that that story the way he worked and it's a, it's a real tragedy today that the person who played ms dhoni is no longer in the world with us either mm. uh, which is yeah. another tragedy which is nothing to do with yeah. cricket but but the 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 fact that he chose to come out i think it was in in a way you look back on it today and you might almost say that it was it was a preparation to share his story and knowing that he was in the twilight and he was going to soon sort of hang up his boots mm. uh but but that's the that's the unpredictable nature if yeah. you will of dhoni you never know what he'd do Yeah. What what is he going to do? I mean, and we know he's going to play for Chennai Super Kings, but what what is he going to do next? Do we do we know? Uh well, I mean, we're what, all look, speculating. We're all speculating, Simon. But look, he's got he's got this uh, he's an honorary lieutenant colonel in the parachute regiment uh, of the Territorial Army. He's he's not just a ceremonial lieutenant colonel. I know he's traveled up into the into the areas in Kashmir, including the terrorist affected ones. he's uh, he trains very hard in the ranchi regimental center he often goes on these trips with with the with the troops to try and encourage them and motivate them spends time with them that's one part uh literally he could choose to be what he wants to be but if i was to bet i think we're not going to see a very public persona of dhoni i don't see him accepting a nomination to the upper house of parliament like sachin I don't see him contesting uh the the elections like several of the cricketers including people like Azharuddin have done. I just see him doing his own quiet work in chosen areas of of charity that he may have and uh living living his life on his terms doing and participating in events and activities that he would like. He's once said that he will never sit in a commentary box and talk about players on the ground. Lots we'll of people say that Prakash though, don't they? Lots, <laughs> yeah, lots of saying. people say that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not hinting at anyone Simon. <laughs> but but you know we'll have to wait and see if he'll not do that and I won't be surprised if he doesn't because yeah. the reason he gave was look by the time I get to sitting in the com box the game will have changed enough for me not to know enough about it. That was his point of view, right? So you know you you don't know what the man will do. uh but uh you know like like isha said i think he's a private person he's got uh he's got the world at his at his feet in some ways in terms of determining what he wants to do and i think it will be another 
bolt out of the blue when we really come to know. For the moment, he'll be wanting to to get IPL title to CSK, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. What What were his best innings? What, what What innings performances stand out for you? I mean, I mean presumably the World Cup final. We we heard that. Any others, or, or was is that so you know, far me, ahead of anything? No, else? no, no, no. For me, Simon, uh, the the game against Sri Lanka in Jaipur. Uh, I think it was his third or fourth game, if, if memory serves me right. I think he scored about 180 odd. Came in when Tendulkar was out, very early, and came in at number three where Saurav had promoted him, and you know, he smashed 183. And, and everybody, I mean, it was it was like a sandstorm and hit Jaipur. I, I can never forget that innings. Uh, I was fortunate to be actually commentating on it. It was unreal. Uh, then those there are several innings in the in the IPL, of course, where he's sort of come back and scored 26 runs in the last over, uh, consecutive sixes at the end. Uh, the 2011 World Cup final, of course, uh, again, that decision to promote himself. The double 100 in the test match against Australia scored almost at a, ro- a ball, a, a run a ball. So, you know, the, the number of innings is, is, is just, you, you could go on, you'll, you'll have to look at all of them. But the fact is that for him to take India over the line, uh, was was so so crucial, and he did it so many times. Uh, I think we were all there at uh, at the semi-final against New Zealand, and the crowd was chanting mm-hmm. in Hindi, "Dhoni mm-hmm. karega, Dhoni will do it." And and you know, howsoever hopeless the situation was, you almost believed that that fairy tale could never go wrong. And I think in some ways it's prophetic that he was run out in his last yeah. international innings as well, just the way he began his career. And somewhere, I think that most of us, I think, knew that it, it'll take a lot of luck to see him in, in India colours again. Does it make you marvel sometimes, wonder, Isha, how when you, you know, you've been there, you've seen it, the, the, the focus on one person, you know, around, you know, around cricket, but cricket is such an important part of, of life in India. That everyone, everyone is looking at you. How, how, do, how do people deal with that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know, <laughs> but I mean, we saw it with Sachin, didn't we? And uh, prior to that, Sunil Gavaskar and Kapil Dev and key members of that 1983 team. It's just something that you learn to deal with. I think certainly with the, the advent of the IPL as well, players coming through the system, they just they become accustomed to it a lot more uh, just the, 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 the packed houses the, the noise the passion uh, the, the support for your team I mean MS Dhoni was one player that he could go anywhere and he would receive that, mm. that kind of adulation I remember doing a game uh, up in uh, Mahali was it last year or the year before and he was obviously playing for, for CSK, but he was out in the middle and every, he, he had the loudest cheer of the night mm. because uh, he just carried it everywhere he went. And it's, it's something you, you look at these players and you can either be burdened by it or you absolutely just lap it up. Mm. And I think he was one of those players that just lapped it yeah, up. Some people just, you just actually <laughs> love the adulation. You can, you can deal with it. Does that resonate with you, Ramsey? I mean, do you, do, you, do you find it hard to imagine what it would be like to, to be under that sort of scrutiny the whole time? Absolutely. I, I do find it really hard. You know, for a human being to, to play on the field is one thing in front of full houses, but to when they go home uh, or they go out to a restaurant, um, 
I, I think that uh, I, I really can't imagine that. And I think a lot of the Indian players actually quite like coming to London, or certainly when they've been on tour in the UK, because it is, it's a bit more low-key for them and they can get out and about. I think that's something that gives a good insight, really, uh, to Dhoni's mindset and how he can cope with that sort of adulation is his social media post, which I'm not very well up on social media <laughs> at all. But when he uh, retired, he has, and I think Prakash is alluding to it, he has put out a series of photos that capture certain points in his career alongside a Bollywood song, which um, says, I am only momentarily a poet. These few moments define who I am. They tell my whole story that just like there was a poet before me, there will be many more after me, better than me. And I, I, I mean... I think that captures quite a lot mm. about the man, really, is that he has been able to have this truly amazing career, so high profile. Um, you know, he's, we've heard all about the stats. It's, it's been absolutely brilliant, and he's rightly got all the adulation, and yet in his own mind, he has remained incredibly grounded. You're listening to the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. Well, some really interesting thoughts on the career of MS Dhoni. Thanks to Simon and all of his guests. So we are really hoping for more action on the final day. You can watch highlights of what we did have on the fourth day on the BBC Sport website or the app. And we're back on air, crossing fingers at 10.15. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.